I hope that you will prayerfully receive everything I'm sharing tonight because I believe God wants to set people free tonight. I believe God wants to change hearts tonight. And especially, I believe that God wants us to taste and see the acceptance of the Lord in a fresh new way. Amen? Amen. Okay. So I'm going to open in prayer. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you that you have lavished love on us. And we're just so blessed to belong to you. We're so blessed to be able to read your word, to hear your voice, to have your spirit in us. And we pray that tonight you would touch our hearts and we would sense your presence so close. And I pray for every heart here here that needs to be healed, that you would do a deep healing tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to take you back in time to the mid-70s when I was in middle school. And um, there were these three really cool girls, and they were the three musketeers, and they were super cool. One was named Hope. Um, One was named Amy, and she was kind of like the naughty girl, you know, but Hope and, and Lisa were the other two girls. And they called themselves the Three Musketeers, and I became really good friends with them. And then they decided that I would become the fourth musketeer. So it would be four musketeers instead of three, and I would be part of their group. And um, then some things happened where um, my grandmother passed away, and our cat had to be put to sleep. And I just went through kind of like just feeling kind of down. And they got together and they decided I wasn't really fun anymore. And I was going to be removed from the four musketeers. And now it sounds so silly, doesn't it? It's like good riddance, you know. But um, but it really hurt me. You know, it really hurt. And I had really loved those girls. And to be like rejected like that. And um, believe it or not, we were all reconciled. And to this day, I'm still friends with two of them. I don't know where Amy ever went to, but um, <laughs> no telling, no telling. But um, I'm still friends with Hope and Lisa, and we talk on Facebook and stuff. And um, But anyway, rejection can hurt, and it can be something little like that like being asked to leave, you know, this popular little clique to being rejected by divorce or something more traumatic. And so, but I think whatever, everyone sitting in this room has known some form of rejection. Some people sense rejection because they were an unwanted child and their parent will say, you know, oh, yeah, this is our little accident. Or, you know, well, we really didn't want children, but we got this little boy or little girl. And um, parents can reject children. A lot of people that struggle with rejection had relationships with their parents that, looking back, they wish had been very different. Maybe their mom, Laura's throwing things at me. (laughs) So um, sometimes people look back at the way they were raised and they wish their parents had been different. I think all parents look back and wish they had been different and they had been better parents, you know. But um, 
sometimes parents abandon ship and I have friends who don't know who their fathers are. So that's terrible feeling of rejection. Sometimes people have gone through public humiliation. Mike shares that story about the guy making fun of him in his class. Oh, Mike's got religion and just humiliating him. Um, sometimes we go through breakups or you like someone, they don't like you back. You feel unwanted. This was mine. I was always the last one to be picked on a team in PE. Did anyone ever experience that? I feel so much better. And then they would always tell me, don't talk. Don't talk. Stop talking. Pay attention to the ball. And I, why? Why not? Why not talk? Um, so <laughs> gossip, slander, um, sometimes we can feel rejected just because we walk into a place and no one greets us and no one makes us feel welcome. Or have you ever walked up to talk to someone and they turn and walk away and you feel rejected? Um, and of course, one of the biggest rejections would be if anyone has been abused. That can make someone feel unwanted and rejected. The truth is that rejection is a result of living in a fallen world. And, you know, when um, God created us, he said about Adam, it's not good that he, he's alone. And God made people to want to give and receive love from other people. And to give and receive love from him. And so when we do have these moments where someone rejects us, it obviously will hurt. And that is just because we were created to live in a perfect world, but we live in a fallen one. But Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So as we're talking about this today, there are some things I want you to realize that rejection, on the one hand, is part of life. On the other hand, it's abnormal, the way death is. You know, people say, oh, yeah, the circle of life, death is just part of life. Well, no, death isn't part of life. It wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't part of God's plan. And I remember being at my father's burial, and I was saying a few words, and I said, I hate death. And so many people afterwards said, no one has ever said that. And I hate it too, but everyone always acts like we should like it. And I was like, no, the Bible calls it the final enemy. Why would we like it? So anyway, when we are rejected, whether it's little or small or big, little or small, little or big, we are faced with this massive temptation. And um, the, the Bible says, when he's talking about Satan, he says this, you are the father, you are, um, he's talking to Israelites who don't, who are rejecting him. And he says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what happens when we face rejection, we immediately are bombarded with lies. Can you nod your head if you've ever experienced that? Someone rejected you and you walk away and you say, well, I'm just not lovable. No one likes me. I don't have any friends. No one really cares about me. We just start believing all of these lies. And that's, that's what we can't keep people from rejecting us. Well, we can. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But we can't, we can't protect ourselves from every one of those negative moments. But we can learn to deal with the lies that follow the rejection. Does that make sense? Um, so if you remember, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. So every rejection is an opportunity to choose to believe the lies of Satan or to believe the truth of God. Because when Satan says, you're not worthy of anyone's love, and then you say to yourself, no one will ever love me. But in Romans 5, 8, we're told that Jesus loved us while we were still his enemies. Satan will say to you, you're not valuable. And then we think, I'm worthless. I'm not valuable. But if you read Psalm 139, you see Jesus knitting you together in your mother's womb. And I just, I love that. I call it my birthday psalm because every birthday I read it. And I just, I read through it and I think of the Lord, like, I always think of my mom, you know, because of course it was her womb. But um, I think of, <laughs> I think of him just knitting me together and loving me and planning days for me and having a heart for me. And it always makes me rejoice because no matter who else in the world loves me, Jesus does. And he loves me with the kind of love that is so personal and so deep. And it transcends so much pain. Another lie that we can get attacked with is, and this is a big one, especially if you're a preteen, you have heard this lie. You're a teen. You've heard this lie a million times. No one loves me. I won't have you raise your hand, but how many times have you... No one loves me. <laughs> but John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And what is truly love? To give up so that others can receive. And here's another biggie. <laughs> if I died, it wouldn't matter. No one would miss me. And, and I believe me, that is a lie. I have young women say to me all the time, I feel like if I died, no one would care. No one would miss me, which isn't true. There's plenty of people that would miss you. But then the Lord says in Ephesians 2.10 that he has good works for you to walk in, that he's planned in advance for you to do. He planned them long, long ago before he even called you, before he even transformed your life. He had a purpose for your life. So 
I want to start out as we move into talking about rejection, that every lie that has followed rejection is from Satan, and they're all contradicted by Scripture. We could throw them all out, and we could spend so much time going through each one, but I promise you, every lie that Satan tells you when you have gone through rejection is contradicted by the Word of God. So don't believe the lies, guys. <laughs> okay, so what do we do? We go through these moments of rejection. We're so tempted to believe the lie. And we're told in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I memorized this as a new Christian, but I'm reading it in a different version. So um, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. That means that if you are tempted, God will have this door and it will say on it, way out. It doesn't matter what kind of temptation you face. And if you feel alone in what you deal with, with the lies that you face, or even any other temptation, this verse tells us nothing we're faced with is something that isn't common to people. And I don't mean that your situation isn't unique. What I mean is that you face things that people all around the world face. And the Bible tells me in Hebrews that Jesus is our faithful high priest because he has been tempted in every way that we are, but is without sin. And you know, something I've never been able to understand is having your close, close friend that you trust with your money, which is pretty much trust, turn on you, sell you for just a bunch of pocket change and then all the people that you fed and did miracles for cry out, crucify him, crucify him, and you're beaten and flogged and you're hanging there on a cross. So if anyone knows about rejection, it's the one person who doesn't deserve rejection. And he turns and he says, tempted. Jesus, you're a loser. Nope, I'm not. Jesus, no one would care if you died. Oh, everyone will care that I died. And it will change the world forever. So Jesus never, ever gave in to the lies of Satan. He stood firm on the truth. And by standing firm on the truth, he was able to love people who rejected him. And what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Now, I would have said, <laughs> do you see what jerks these people are? Do you see how much they've hurt me? Let them have it. <laughs> but those were the people that he was hanging on the cross for. And I'm sure many of them eventually gave their lives to him. So, um, we will face rejection. I, I brought up that before that Jesus said the most, the most unquoted promise in, in Scripture, in this world you will have trouble. You never see that like on a little card. <laughs> in this world you'll have trouble. 
but <laughs> hey, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we know that Jesus has overcome the world. So how can you tell if rejection is ruining your life? If either real or perceived rejection, because we're going to talk about how to know the difference. How can we tell if rejection is ruining our life? Well, in 1 John 4, 19, it says this. We love because he first loved us. So the primary problem that we face when rejection has taken control of us is that we have an inability to receive love from others, and it's very hard to give love to others. So it, it, it affects us at that critical place because we give love to others, we receive love from others because we've first been loved by Jesus. And that brings me to another point. Parents play a critical role. And parents really reflect the character of God to their children. So when someone loses a parent, when someone has a parent who behaves badly, it's very hard to feel accepted and loved. And none of our parents, though, will ever measure up to what we need because we have this craving inside for a perfect parent, a perfect dad, a perfect mom, because again, we were created to live in a perfect world, not the fallen one we live in. And you know, I just have to say this. When I became a mom, I thought, I am gonna be the best mom ever. I'm gonna give, this is my only goal in life, to be a great mom. I don't have any other dreams. I just wanna be a great mom. I'll do whatever it takes. And then come 20 years later, I'm sitting with my children that I've hurt. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've blown it here or I've blown it there. And just feeling so terrible. And then it suddenly dawned on me that isn't part of the imperfection of our parents what leads us to need the perfect parent. Not that I'm giving you permission, moms, <laughs> to go out there and be a bad mom, but it, there's something that when we see that it isn't quite enough that we need, because none of us can ever fully reflect the love of God. And I remember that parenting was hard. And I remember about seven or eight years through it, I suddenly saw my mom in a whole new way. I called her. I said, Mom, you're a great mom. I love you so much. I don't know. There's something about going through the trenches that makes you realize how, wow, I'm trying to do this and this, and here my heart is breaking because of this, and I'm trying, you know, you don't really realize that till you're old. Now that I'm old, I have all this compassion. Okay, so if rejection has gripped your life and it has a hold on your life, then there's three responses 
that people usually fall into. They usually give in to the rejection. They hold out or they fight back. So we're going to look at those three things. There's giving in, holding out, and fighting back. So the give in, you just give in to loneliness, self-pity, and to a really dysfunctional pattern of relating to others. Um, so you say things like this, and sometimes to other people. He didn't speak to me. She didn't greet me. I'm just invisible. No one cares about me. If you don't say them to others, you definitely say them to yourself, and you live in a place of self-pity. Now, I'm going to say something very firm to you right now. The Bible never tells us to evaluate other people's love for us. Never. There's not a single scripture that gives me permission to evaluate how well people are loving me. There's not a single passage. I don't have permission to evaluate how well people are loving me. That means when I do, it should be like railroad warning signs. That's not a railroad warning sign. I don't know. They don't, you know. Oh, train coming. I don't know. I'm not making good noises. But, you know, that it should warn us. We should say, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? I'm in trouble. I'm down the wrong path. If you are evaluating how good people are at loving you, at being your friend, you are down the wrong path. And the reason I say that is because the way life works is that we reap what we sow. So when we are evaluating others, then our eyes are on that, and we're giving up, and we're not loving other people, we end up either rejecting the people we feel like don't measure up to us, and we keep looking for new people who are going to disappoint us, or we just don't love people at all. And so then we're lonely. And I remember being in college, and... um this girl came in and she was looking at my calendar and I had all these lunch dates on it and I was meeting this person here and this person here and this person here. And she said, this girl and I are still friends too. <laughs> but she said to me, you know, I wish I were popular like you. No one ever asks to meet me for lunch. And I said, Robin, if you ever meet her, pretend I didn't tell this story. I said, Robin, <laughs> I said, I set up all these lunch dates. Not one of these lunch dates is happening because they set them up with me. I set them all up. And I had not once thought about whether or not people have asked me to eat lunch with them. It doesn't matter because it's not going to change the way I live. Robin took what I said to heart, and she came back to me six months later, and she said, you really made me angry when you said that, but you're right. And she changed the way she was living her life. 
So the first thing that we can do is give in to the rejection and just be lonely and feel unloved. The second way is we can hold out. We create a persona that's happy, thriving, but underneath there's deep pain. So we laugh a little too loud. We draw attention to ourselves, and we have we have moments where we feel good. We get a lot of attention, but then we go home and we still feel sad and we still feel empty. You know, ancient cities had walls around them, and they opened the walls up during the day to let their friends in. It was light, and so if enemies came in, there were enough people around, they would notice and they would drive them out. But at night is when they closed the walls. So it is right to protect your heart from certain things like really bad guys and, <laughs> and you know, toxic people. We're gonna talk about toxic relationships in a few weeks. But it is not right to shut out of your heart people that love you and people that God has called you to love. And if you're spending your life in a really superficial way, not forming deep friendships, you may have built a wall around your heart to keep yourself from getting hurt again. This, the last person is the fighter. They fight back, and they either do it <laughs> aggressively <laughs> or passively aggressively. <laughs> so, um, and their attitude is, I'll show them, I'll make them pay. I'll let them know how it feels. And um, so with aggressiveness, they can just like, you know, walk up and say something mean to people or... You know, I'll, you know what aggression looks like. Manipulation can be something like this. I'm not talking to you anymore because you don't love me. Ha, ha, ha. And they make a joke, but really, they're letting you know. They think you don't love them. Or you have really, you've really made me feel rejected. No one can make you feel rejected. No one can make you feel rejected. It all is where your focus is. And again, you shouldn't be evaluating how people are doing it loving you. That's not right. It's not biblical. If you're doing it, stop. And if you have a problem with that, get prayer in your groups tonight, please. So a little bit more on rejection. Rejection is personal and it's not okay. You shouldn't say this person rejected me, but it's okay. Sin is not okay. Sin has to be forgiven, debts canceled, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, rejection has a mind of its own, and it doesn't listen to reason. Once you allow yourself to wallow in rejection, no one can talk to you. You are off the chain, and you cannot hear wisdom because you you have bought into Satan's lie, and you're just wallowing there. And Satan just wraps your brain in all these lies, and it's so hard to get underneath them all. And you have got to wash your mind with the truth. Either real or imagined rejection, whether it's real, whether people really rejected you, or whether it's imagined, 
it causes physical pain. It hurts deeply. It causes emotional pain. And negative emotions are not a sin. It is not a sin to feel sad that someone rejected you. It is a sin to not forgive and to wallow in bitterness and to block people out of your life. Do you understand? So it's not a sin to feel hurt. Real rejection is like a big fat no. No, I do not want to be married to you anymore. No, I do not want to be part of this family. I do not want my children. I'm leaving. No, I do not want to be your friend. And, and those are very hard. And those might happen in your life. Probably you'll get s at least a few really big rejects, real rejections. Most of what we experience in our life are those waves of rejections that are just little things. Like when I walked in today, I was in a lot of pain. And Liam was trying to talk to me. And I was kind of like not really answering her. It was usually I'm like, hi, Leanne, how are you? But I was kind of like, hi, Leanne, you know. Now, if Leanne wanted to, she could have left our conversation and felt rejected. But Leanne knew my foot was hurting, and so in her mind she said, okay, here's the lie. I'm just making this up, but it's a good. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, because I don't know. I can't. But Leanne has that, she's rejecting me. She doesn't love me. She doesn't care. She's not happy to see me, and I've been sick. And I'm glad you're better, by the way. I didn't say that to you. And, um, and so she could do that, but she had that, she has to have that moment where she makes the choice to believe the lies of Satan or to believe the truth of God's word. So um, often our feelings of rejection are honestly based on lies. They're based on someone having a hard day, someone being sad, and maybe not responding to you as enthusiastically as possible. Um, they, and a, a lot of times we feel rejected by things that no one ever intended to do to cause us pain or harm. Um, the problem is when we believe we're rejected, <laughs> we can make it come true. And when people feel rejected, they pick up some negative behaviors. And um, so, for an example, all those things that I talked about, there are things, there's ways that we can talk to people that are rejecting. We can be harsh with people. We can you know, reject others before they reject us. We can talk about people behind their back. We can, and then when someone finds out, they're so hurt, and, you know, um, they can say, have you ever had someone do this that's your friend? I've had people do this, that I'm their friend. And they sit there and they go, well, I really don't have any friends. What am I, chop liver, <laughs> you know? But is that true that they don't have friends? No, it's not true. But they feel lonely in the moment. And so without realizing it, they say something 
that is hurtful, now you have that choice. Are you going to believe the lie or are you going to believe the truth and have compassion for them? Because they don't know what they're doing. They're hurting. When people are hurting, they do not know what they're doing. And hurt people hurt people. And we have to come to a place where we are more concerned about loving than being loved. And that we try to see the deeper place, the deeper need, more than anything. So, what is the cure for rejection? It is a one-size-fits-all. Not an Amazon one-size-fits-all that fits people who weigh under 120 pounds, but a real one-size-fits-all. There is a beautiful exchange that Jesus offers, and we give him our rejection, loneliness, superficial happiness, resentment, hatred, and rebellion. And the exchange, he takes all that junk away. And in exchange, he fills us with his obedience. See, he was obedient on the cross to forgive rejection. And that obedience comes in us, that ability to forgive. He fills us with love, but most of all, he fills us with a complete acceptance of God. Jesus was completely accepted by God. God loved what he did, but God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased before he did anything. And so we in Christ have that complete acceptance. And so it is as simple as Lord I am full of bitterness. I have so much anger, so much hurt. Would you take it? I need your exchange. I need you. I need you. You accept me. You love me. You can forgive through me. If you think you can live the Christian life apart from being filled to overflowing with Jesus, you are going to be in for a big surprise. You may have massive amounts of self-control, but ultimately it runs out. The only way that we can get rid of the rejection feelings, get rid of that self-consciousness, is to give them all to the Lord and receive him. And then Every time something happens, we need to do it again. And my sister-in-law, who you've met, my sister-in-law speaks her mind, if you know. She's very sweet, very godly. And she said to me, I don't think you should be a pastor's wife because your feelings are so easily hurt. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Lord, what are we going to do about this? Could you just keep people from hurting my feelings. That would be so nice. And the Lord said, no, but I will teach you how to deal with those hurt feelings. So when someone hurts me, 
I have gotten so quick at giving it to the Lord that sometimes I don't even realize it at all. And someone will say, oh, I'm sorry that I was rude to you. And I'm like, you were? Because I have learned to, now sometimes something will hit me, it'll be really, really hard. And and I've had some adventures in the whole world of rejection that I am grateful for because anytime someone rejects me and it takes months for me to recover, it means my heart is going to be more compassionate the next time I talk to someone who struggles with feelings of rejection. So I don't see it anymore as a bad thing, though I hate it. You know, I don't like it. I don't want to go through it. I just want to read a couple verses to you. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we have the promise of the Spirit through faith. No curse can come against us. Those patterns that you grew up, and the Lord's just putting this on my mind right now, those patterns that you grew up with in your family, some of you sitting here, you have a rejecting family, and they reject each other all the time. They say things that are cruel and thoughtless, and you've grown up doing the same thing. And it's time right now, I can't stop my foot because my toes are but someone stomp for me. It's time for you to say, you know what? I'm done. I am done engaging in that behavior because Jesus set me free from patterns that I have inherited that are ungodly. I am free from that right now in the name of Jesus. So if that's you, walk in freedom tonight. Um, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of, of God in him. So Christ took on my sin. All the lies I've believed about rejection... He took to the cross. They're paid for. And not only are they punished, they have no hold on me at all. No more. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. God wants us to have rich, good relationships. He became poor. He didn't have some, he had some really bad friends, you know? I mean, even the ones that came around in the end put him through a lot. So he went through poverty in the area of rejection so that we could experience riches in the area of acceptance. Um, this, this is from Psalm 54, and I want to share it with you because it's so beautiful. This has always been one of my favorite um, uh, verses, but I never really dug deeper past this verse because I like to write, the Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I might know how to sustain the weary one with a word. So this is a leader. This is someone who is sustaining other people. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple, the Lord has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. So here he has this rich relationship with the Lord. 
So everything is going to be great in his personal life, right? Right? No one's answering. Okay. <laughs> so I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard, which was a severe insult, by the way. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Come on, bring it on. Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Who is he who rejects you? Do you have the tongue, the ear, the heart of a disciple, someone who is following after Jesus? Then no one can hurt you because they will have to contend with the Lord. And can you leave people to contend with God instead of you and trust that the Lord will take care of it. Um, if I'm looking at the time. All right. Um, I'm going to have you guys read this at home. Isaiah 61, 1 through 7. And the bottom line is Christ bore our rejection on the cross. We are accepted because he was rejected. My, my mother always went barefoot. And one time in the middle of the night, she stepped on a pin. She didn't know it. And it dug deeper and deeper into her foot. And it ended up causing an infection in her foot that she, I'm sorry to tell you, eventually died from 10 years later. So this infection was from a little pin. So imagine my horror when one day as a young mom, I stepped on a pin back in my days of sewing when I could see up close and there's a pin in my foot. It's in. Like, it's not sticking out. It's in there. So we go, and I'm like, get this thing out of my foot. Get this thing out of my foot. Please. And, he's, and finally, he's like, you know, it'll work its way out. We'll just send you home. No. I am not leaving until you get this pin out of my foot. Because I am not going to let this pin kill me. I have children. And so they brought in this big x-ray machine, and they still couldn't get it out. And finally, I said, hold on. I don't know if anyone here is a Christian, but I am, and I have enough faith for all of us. And I prayed, Lord Jesus, please get this pin out in the name of Jesus. Please, please help them. Five minutes later, the pin was out. My foot was bandaged because... I was desperate to have the pin out because I knew if it stayed in there, it could kill me. Are you desperate to have God pull out the bad fruit of rejection from your life so that you can live? I really believe God wants to bring healing anyone who struggles with this issue. So how do we deal with it? We call rejection what it is. 
um, if we've believed lies, we're honest, Lord, I've been rejected, but more than that, I just believe so many lies. I don't even know what the truth is and what's a lie. Have you ever been that like that? You are so tricked by the lies of the devil, you don't even know what's true anymore. <sighs> by faith, forgive people that you believe have rejected you. They may not have rejected you. Forgiveness means cancel their debt. If Laura eats all my cookies, then Laura needs to apologize to me for eating my cookies, and she needs to go buy me new cookies. But if I forgive Laura, I cancel her debt, so she doesn't have to buy me new cookies, and she doesn't even have to say sorry. And if she does, that's great. We'll eat them together. But forgiveness is canceling a debt. You owe me nothing. Um, repent and refuse to walk in bitterness, resentment, hate, hatred, and rebellion. A lot of times, um, bitterness leads to rebellion. And if you feel yourself struggling with obedience to the Lord or authorities or something like that, and then finally, receive God's acceptance. Believe you are accepted. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us, uh, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in his beloved. You were saved to walk in freedom. When you walk in freedom, you honor Jesus. When you walk in freedom, people go, wow, God is awesome. When you have loving relationships with other people, you bring glory to God. You bring applause to God. So it isn't selfish to want healing. Because the more our lives are filled with him and his joy and his life and his goodness, the more we honor him. And the more people truly see how great he is. So, finally, thank God for the work he has done and is doing in your life. And hold on to this truth. This is a verse I memorized as a new Christian. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Satan wants to tell you that the old is not gone. But it is a lie. And I want to end with this. There was a woman in a filthy prison cell. And she just ate scraps that they threw between the bars. She had a little toilet in the corner that they only emptied once a month. It was disgusting. It smelled. And when she died, they found in her pocket the key to the lock of the cell. You have the key, if you are in Christ, to get out of this cell. Christ has provided everything that you need. And not only has he provided it, he longs to set you free.
He longs to set you free. You do not have to twist his arm. He is waiting. He is waiting. And I know that tonight, I'm, I'm going to tell you, my foot hurts so much, I said to the Lord, I cannot speak tonight. I cannot go. And I was so afraid someone would knock my foot. And the Lord said, I need these ladies to hear this tonight. I need you to speak, even if you are sitting or kneeling or whatever you have to do. So I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, Jesus is here and he wants to set you free. And you may have walked in lies for so long that you don't know what's true and what's a lie. Then tonight is your night to be set free. Do you understand that? Nod at me if you understand. And I want to end with this. You know, I love the Lord. I do. He saved me. I was supposed to never walk again. He healed me. But there was still not a complete healing because I my pelvis was shattered in little, little pieces. And they didn't think my first baby would be able to come naturally. And when I was pregnant with her, I was in a lot of pain. And we went to the elders of our church, and they anointed me with oil, and they prayed over me. And um, I had her, and I had my other kids. And then I hurt myself. I'm always hurting myself. <laughs> but I had to go to that, um, what's that clinic with the bones? Jewett. Jewett Clinic. And so the guy took an x-ray of my hip. And I wish I would have kept the x-ray because all of the little pieces of my pelvis were fitted back together. And there were little lines between them all, like the Lord had glued them. And if you feel like you are so broken, God can't fix your heart. I wish you could see that x-ray. Because I love saying two things. God can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and two, God loves me. And I want you to know that in your heart. Jesus loves you. He's not frustrated with you. He wants to bring healing to you. Okay? All right, I love you. I'm going to close in prayer. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would pour your spirit out. You would heal every broken heart. You would bring life. You would bring freedom. And I pray, Lord, for all of us that we would always be so full of you and experiencing your acceptance and that your love and acceptance would flow through us wherever we go. We love you so much, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen.